Welcome to MediaPost's Brand Insider. I'm your host, Steve Smith, Editorial Director of Events here at MediaPost. Each week, we interview marketing leaders from companies old and new about how they build and evolve their brands on an unpredictable media and culture terrain. In addition to this full audio interview in podcast form, we also publish a companion newsletter with highlights from the Q&A. MediaPost has been covering marketing and media news for over 20 years. You can find the Brand Insider Weekly as well as our daily coverage at MediaPost.com. Now, let's get into it. Let's welcome to the Brand Insider, Stephanie Sinclair, most recently founder of the luxury tea and accessories brand LaRue 1680. But this is just the latest project for this serial entrepreneur, author, and business coach. Her book, Shut Up and Do the Work, The Entrepreneur's Guide to Creating Massive Business, Massive Success, uh, was published in 2016. She also has a podcast, The Frequency Fix, uh, as well as others before that. But let's uh, stick for this interview with the topic of building a new brand. Welcome, Stephanie. Where does this podcast find you today? Hi, I'm really excited. I am at this very moment in Playa del Carmen, Mexico. Oh, on vacation? <laughs> on vacation, yes. <laughs> well, good for you. And thanks for taking the break from vacation for, for sharing some time with us. So I mentioned this new brand, relatively new brand. When did it launch? We launched in October, 2020. Okay. Why tea? Why now? You know, why tea? Really, I should have done tea a long time ago. I'm an avid tea drinker. I love tea. Um, and without making the story super long, back in um, 2012, my son and I spent a year traveling through Europe and Asia. And that's when I realized, specifically in Asian cultures, how important tea is, um, not just to quote unquote drink tea, but it's an integral part of lifestyle. Just every single day lifestyle, mm -hmm. you'll go somewhere and you're offered tea in like the spa, in a boutique, you're offered tea, which as an American was a little weird, mm -hmm. <laughs> but you quickly realize that that's just a part of the culture. And I quickly grew to love it. And after that, I just continued drinking tea on a regular basis, searching for the best teas. And I realized, and this is, you know, not saying anything negative about any other brands. I just never found anything that, that gave me that same feel, international feel, a feel mm -hmm. like um, it was really sourced from other countries to kind of put me back in that space. Mm -hmm. Literally, I always say um, LaRue is a tea that takes you to different destinations. LaRue La actually means street in French. Mm -hmm. um, I completely screw up French. So the R, I won't even try to say <laughs> it with a French accent, but it means street. And so um, I try to make sure every single um, flavor that we come out with actually takes you to a new destination. So that's why tea. I just mm -hmm. absolutely love it. And it's like, if you love something, you might as well sell it. <laughs> um, but then you, um, uh, but, but then, so you launched it late in 2020, but then we move into 2020. Uh, or, so you, so you're also launching in the middle of a pandemic. Yes. Where, where this ritual takes on a whole other set of meanings. So yes. tell me how you've been working within that, this context. You know, it's very interesting because at a time when everyone's at home and you would think being at home would be help you decompress and relax. This actually had the opposite effect on most people. People mm -hmm. have become very stressed. We're a society that no longer hugs. We're not seeing people. We're not seeing our friends and family. And we aren't taking time for self-care. And so T now has stepped in as a self-care 
self-care ritual. Uh, tea is like music for a lot of people. You drink it or you smell it and it takes you to a place, whether it's a place with your grandmother or with your friends or with your parents, it takes you somewhere. So it's really become just a ritual, everyday ritual. Mm-hmm. For me now, it's it's a breakfast ritual. It's very interesting. I know um, the podcast Listeners won't see it, but I have tea here. Um, I actually, I can attest to it. I travel with tea (laughs) because part of my ritual is in the morning times and then evening times I I sip on tea, and it's how I decompress and release stresses from the day. And so it's been very beneficial for so many people for that reason. We've seen such an uptick. Uh, specifically starting in November, which is right after we opened um, in, in tea sales. And you didn't ask me this, but listen, let me just say we're going there. We're going there. <laughs> I, I was about to, but you go ahead. You the t- reason ahead. we chose during the pandemic, number one, as a life, as a business coach, uh, one of the things that I love to talk about is you need the ability to pivot just because mm-hmm. there's a pandemic doesn't mean we can't survive financially the pandemic. You may have to um, figure out something else to do or a new way to do it, a way to pivot. But I want it to be an example that you can start something new during a pandemic and survive, even mm-hmm. thrive, actually. And so we opened our doors and from the moment we opened, things have been really amazing because we tapped into a space Mm-hmm. that was necessary and needed. And are there other tea companies? Absolutely. No one has tapped into it in the way that we have as far as a self-care, that self-care piece that we really need. I want to talk about um, building a brand. And now you, now most legacy and even the newer direct-to-consumer brands like yours, they seek out established influencers to spread the word about a brand. You sort of started with a social following yourself. Um, And so I'm curious about the ways in which you have leveraged and used that following to help launch the brand, what role it's had. Well, absolutely. Um, And and that's like my quote unquote cheat code for myself is Mm -hmm. if you already have any sort of following or an established brand, why go do something where you pretend that your following does not exist to start from scratch if you don't have to? And this actually goes back to one of the things that I think is core in business, specifically if you have a small business. And in today's social media era that we live in, is that people want to connect with the brand oftentimes the owner or the founder. And I learned really quickly when people fall in love with you, they'll fall in love with anything that that you sell. And so I, I really trusted the fact that I would release this tea and my followers would try it. And I knew they would love it because I don't release anything that's not amazing. I knew they would love it. I worked on it for months and they did. And so without me having to go out and hire any influencers and I'm, I'm the influencer, but not from the space of talking about tea, but the influencer from the space of the business behind the tea, watching me build this new brand has mm. really been helpful and people sharing it with other people. So not even about the tea, it's, hey, watch me open this new business and start this new business in the middle of a pandemic. And I'm very transparent about everything. And people love that. People love oh, that. Interesting. So you're sort of bringing them into the brand in yes. a way that other brands really can't. 
Because mm-hmm. first of all, you're you're personally identified with the brand, but they really want to. They're they're get they're getting into the story behind the brand, not just the product itself. And it doesn't put you into a position of being the pitch man all the time. Right. And it, it actually doesn't really, um, because if, if you go look at LaRue specifically, I don't show up much in LaRue. Right. It's right. very much done on purpose because I didn't want to get boxed and no one else can, you know, because we're building a business here, right? We build, we scale. And in order to do that, you can't be the sole face of the company. Um, but again, I knew that if if people understood the brand and fell in love with the brand from the beginning that even if they didn't like tea or they think they don't like tea because people say they don't like tea and they have an idea of like Lipton. I mean, I'm from the South, so we know like Southern black sweet tea. That's the idea idea that they think of when they think tea. Yeah. But so they think they don't like tea. They'll tell their friends and they'll tell their family like, hey, I know someone who started a company. You should try her tea. And that's organically how we've grown. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, I noticed when I'm at your site that one of the things you've been doing is sort of drafting off the Bridgerton uh, craze. Tell me a little bit about how you decided to make that connection and the ways in which you're using it and how successful that's been. So I love marketing. Like, and I think that's why business coaching worked for me. So let me start there. I love marketing and I love how you can kind of play off things that's happening in pop culture. Mm -hmm. Um, When I watched Bridgerton, I watched it the day it came out. I watched it all the episodes in one day. I noticed that almost every shot someone had a cup of tea and I knew it was going to be a hit. It was Shonda Rhimes doing it. I don't think she's ever done a show that wasn't a hit. So I knew it would be a hit. And instantly I said, I needed to do something for Bridgerton. Uh, it just made sense. And um, I think of like the ritual of tea is like my fancy time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when you look at Bridgerton, everyone, everyone's in these dresses and no one's rushing. I mean, there was a scene when the girl was like, let's make haste. <laughs> but no one's really... Mm-hmm. rushing you're sitting down you're relaxed well you can't in those clothes <laughs> by the way i mean who can, who can, who can move <laughs> you absolutely cannot I'm, I'm shocked by the amount of sex that's going on in that show yeah, how they can figure wearing. it out with like all the the tight corsets and bustier. Right. yeah it's a mess but <laughs> everything literally is slow and you're present you're mm-hmm. present with the time and that's really where i think society needs to be is present, right? We can learn so much from what's happening right now as business owners, if we're present enough to pay attention to what's happening. So as I watched Bridgerton, it literally hit me like a ton of bricks. They have tea. I Googled, I looked it up. They didn't have a tea brand. They don't have, they're not, Downton Abbey actually ended up coming out with a set of teas. Um, I think like their third or fourth season. Bridgerton doesn't have that. And I thought it'd be pretty cool if, if I could play with that a little bit. So that's where that came from. So and it worked. Uh, it's like, yeah. it's like reverse and it's like reverse product placement. Yeah. I mean, here <laughs> you you found it, you, you found a show that you, that you liked and everybody liked and you saw a product that made a lot of sense in there that they were already using. <laughs> yes. And you know, I don't know that I thought Bridgerton would create such an uptick in sales, but Bridgerton was released. And within a week, I noticed at least a 50% jump. Wow. 
from Bridgerton. And that was so interesting to me. And it goes to show how much pop culture and the different shows that we're watching Mm -hmm. influences what's happening in business. Mm -hmm. Now you started, you had a previous business or maybe it's still still running in in, um, uh, skin and hair products. Yeah, no, it's not still running, but that was my first business, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let me say this. I think you said in the intro, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I love entrepreneurship. Absolutely. I knew very, very early on that I am unemployable. <laughs> and <laughs> I love figuring out how to make things work. I like challenges. And so early on, I started out with a a hair and skincare company. You did your research, Queen Natural Beauty. I know that was not given to you. So you did some digging. I didn't have the brand. I didn't find the brand. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was Queen Natural Beauty. And um, it was all, all natural hair care and skincare products. But that was one where you built it almost exclusively in social media. Yep. You used social media to build that. I brand. used YouTube specifically. Did at you? the time, I did not want to have anything to do with Facebook. So mm-hmm. I didn't even have Facebook at the time. Instagram was not around. Mm-hmm. We had Twitter, but I decided, I think I knew early on that my personality, either you love me or you don't. And I tend to <laughs> believe that you're crazy not to love me. <laughs> <laughs> so I figured if I could show up on camera, people would absolutely fall in love with me. And so I did almost the same thing that I did with a T. From the beginning, I walked people through the process. So I started a YouTube channel and I started talking about, I'm starting a hair care and skincare brand. I want to know what your skincare problems are. What issues are you dealing with with your hair? So people got caught up and the growing of the business. And so I use the exact same formula. It just comes natural to ask people to come along. I I want you to be involved with this journey. After all, I'm selling to you. So I want Mm -hmm. you to be a part of this. Interesting. So that's what I want. That was sort of my next question. Let's develop that a little more. What did you learn uh, from that last experience that you're using now? And what are the main social tools and channels that you're using to grow LaRue? What I learned right off is video is powerful. The video is extremely powerful. And even when I did move over to Facebook, I found video and audio content to be the number one thing Mm -hmm. to drive people. And you would think that that was um, 14 years ago. You would Mm -hmm. think something had changed. It has not. It's gotten even more powerful. And you can really tell that by stuff like TikTok. And now Mm -hmm. Instagram, first they added, you could just do videos, the IGTV, and now they've added the reels. The only difference is then we would do longer form video. Mm -hmm. And now because people's attention span is even smaller than it was 14 years ago, Mm -hmm. now we're more at 60 seconds. And so instead of 10 minutes to have a conversation or catch your attention, I have a minute, but I've learned that that's really my niche. That's the the place that really works is when people can see video or hear, then they are really attracted to it. Is it uh, paid social or uh, organic? Organic, all organic. All organic. the only thing that I've ever done that was paid um, was in my coaching, my coaching business. Yeah. What? How, so, so tell us about some of the tactics that have worked well in in, in growing that organic reach. Um, consistency, and I have to tell you, 
Uh, I'm probably the only crazy person to admit this. Consistency is really difficult in social media, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. especially when you're making short pieces of content, which means you now need to make more content. So you're constantly thinking about creating content and posting content. That's difficult. Mm -hmm. It really is, but it works. But that's one of the challenges is being able to consistently um, create and post. And so you know, I almost have to schedule out, like, don't forget to Mm -hmm. go post, don't forget to create new content. So I'm here on vacation, but I'm creating content while I'm on vacation Mm -hmm. because again, short attention span, people need that consistency and they need to keep seeing the brand and they need something to catch their attention. That's honestly the hardest part, I think. Mm -hmm. And, but, but also now, 12, 13 years later, you've got many more platforms to service. So how do you yes. manage that piece? TikTok, IGTV, yeah. Facebook TV, how does uh, YouTube, how does all that work? And, so and where, believe, what are the channels that are most important right now? Right. So I believe in having a space on every channel, but I don't believe you have to utilize every channel. Now that goes against what a lot of quote unquote gurus will tell you. And the reason I say quote unquote gurus, because yeah, they're gurus, but there are people with big teams who have, and and their stuff is not necessarily authentic with them completely, right? Mm -hmm. The reality is as if you're the person who's running it, posting on all those platforms is exhausting. And so you will give it all and then you're going to completely fall off. That's the first thing. Also, you need to understand your brand. Every brand doesn't actually fit well in mm-hmm. every space. So with LaRue, we can be more visual. And so Instagram is a whole lot stronger for us than Facebook. Whereas in the coaching space, Facebook and Twitter is a whole lot stronger than Instagram. So mm-hmm. it's really understanding your brand and understanding what makes sense for your brand. Now, we have space on everything from Facebook to Twitter to YouTube we, and LinkedIn, mm-hmm. but we don't use them all because why? Right. We use Facebook, mm-hmm. we use Instagram with most of our effort in the Instagram space. I Well, I would think that the LaRue vibe would fit Instagram. I mean, it's where it's where I go to lay back. Instagram yeah. is the place I go. I don't I don't go to Facebook to relax. I don't know anybody no. goes to Facebook to relax. You're going to be checked <laughs> out, as a matter of fact. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Tell us about your idea, your your core consumer. Who's buying? Um, who's buying? And has that? Uh, do you you expect that, or are you trying to get that to evolve in certain ways? You know, my my core buyer is me, actually. Um, I would say it's women. The majority are women between the ages of 35 and 50. Got a 15-year piece there. Um, Who it's interesting, and this is what I think is happening. I think you come to a point, 20s, 30s, you're working, you're quote-unquote hustling, and you begin to realize the importance of slowing down. You begin to realize the importance of sitting back and relaxing and taking things slower and being more present. And so that tends to be um, who it is. And and um, entrepreneurs, um, CEOs, career women, basically, is my core demographic. Now, I don't know, we add this piece, I don't know if it's because, remember, my business launch pad was my following as a business coach. And so the people who follow me tend to be women in that age range who are career women, who are entrepreneurs. And then they tell their friends and tell their friends' friends. And we tend to connect with people like ourselves. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. How about, uh, by the way, since you mentioned you would start on YouTube in this mix, where does YouTube sit now? How do you, you know, we, ha we have a page, but we haven't created anything. I have kind of been, been playing with that, you know, ideas of doing, you know, different creations with tea. Because uh, you can use tea for everything. People are unaware of the fact that you can take tea. You can make alcoholic beverages with it. We take the vanilla chai and mix it in with pancake mix and make a really nice. <laughs> yeah, because if you think wow, about. What, wait, wait, wait a minute. I'm sorry. Go back. You, you make you mix it with pancake mix and make a really good what? Vanilla chai pancake. Huh. Okay. Yeah, because if you think about the flavors in vanilla chai, we're thinking okay. cinnamon, we're thinking nutmeg. It's a little peppery and it already has the vanilla in it. But these are also flavors that you would think of when you think of like a pancake, a waffle, but it gives it a very interesting twist, right? Uh -oh. And so we use it for all those things. And so we've been thinking about creating content for YouTube around that, but I don't, I'm not real big in starting things I can't keep up. And so I want to make sure I can hire a team mm -hmm. who can be in charge of creating that content and recipe creation to post consistently. But we do have the space there. We just are not using that as of yet. You have, I noticed one of the things I noticed is you cite is you're not even at least visually necessarily leading with the tea so much as the whole ritual, for instance, yeah. you've got this, it's this whole set of accessories that are going yeah. with it. I mean, you even, sell a, you even sell a spoon. Yeah. <laughs> I noticed. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, <laughs> yes. It's a lifestyle so, as a whole. Yeah. It's a, it's a luxury. And, and, you know, I'm even giving a different spin on tea. Like we have um, little accessories that say bougie girls and bougie guys drink tea. It's, it's just the whole lifestyle of it being elevated. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that means, you know, you can't just drink tea. I mean, you can, but that's not sexy. Can't just drink it out a little regular cup. You can't just brew it in something plastic. You need to come to the site and get your really pretty teacup, mm -hmm. tea saucer, mm -hmm. get the spoon, all of the things. So it's it's more so sell it. LaRue 1680 is a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. That's why we lead with that. It's a lifestyle, but the tea is what we sell. Which leaves you open to a lot of different product paths. So yeah. how are you right now? I know you're very early stage, but what? how are you thinking about the next brand extension, the next product line and product development? Which direction do you want to go to? And where do you get your signals for, um, uh, for, for which direction to head? So I'm very interested in going into um, the cooking space. Mm -hmm. Remember using well, the it. pancake, yeah, the pancake yeah. chai. Stuff. I'm very interested in going into that space as well. Mm -hmm. um, so starting out with tea, really getting firmly grounded there, having a a firm fan base or following around that, and then introducing more of the cooking pots, pans, plates, but really staying in that niche. But again, very uh, a luxury lifestyle as opposed to like, oh, we're just going to grab you know, tea <laughs> and just tea, right? So I, I want to back up a little bit um, to a lar the larger issue that I know you've written and coached on uh, in the past. And that's the special challenges that Black women in America face in starting a business, because I know you've coached a lot about this and written a lot about it. I'm especially curious about how those challenges do and don't occur in the virtual environment. 
what are some of the ways that maybe we wouldn't expect that uh, those challenges are also encountered digitally? Because I think our tendency is to want to believe that digital overcomes a lot of uh, previous challenges or that it opens up things in ways that uh, sort of, sort of uh, we've always thought of it as a kind of leveling uh, media. Yeah. But I'm curious what you've, from your perspective, how you've seen those challenges still take place in a digital environment. You know, it's really interesting. I'll tell you one way right off that it's not a challenge, which I think everyone can relate to, is um, very often people of color don't have the startup capital. Right. And the yeah. online space, depending on what it is, you don't have to worry about the overhead of a location and those sorts of things. But something we unfortunately have had to still deal with is just being Black and um, people seeing that it's a Black-owned company and choosing other companies. And through the years, again, I've coached 12 years coaching. It's been many times that I've done it myself um, that in marketing, instead of using a black person's face, I won't even say a person of color, I'm going to say a black person's face, I would make it a point to not because of the time we were in. And you could see a clear difference between ads with a black woman on the ad with the same copy and ads with a white woman or a white man, same copy. Mm -hmm. You would see a drastic increase in click-through rates, um, as well as conversions. Now on the back end, you find out, of course, it's a black woman, but again, why wouldn't you fall in love with me and <laughs> what I'm <laughs> offering? But unfortunately, a black face on the front end often don't let people get to the point to find out I'm an expert. I know what I'm talking about. I can back this up. It's unfortunate, but it's a reality. And so for years, we've had to put other faces on the cover to just get you in. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing that no one really talks about. Now, what's interesting about the time we live in currently, though, that has sort of shifted that, sort mm -hmm. of, mm -hmm. is being Black is a little popular right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just a little popular. And so in a time two years ago when you needed to put a white face there mm -hmm. in order to even be recognized, now people are conscious about not being racism, conscious about anti-racism mm -hmm. mm -hmm. movement. They're consciously looking for black faces and ads now mm -hmm. and black offerings. So that has been interesting, but you still count on battle. Like sometimes on Instagram, I'll use a hashtag and I'll say black owned business. And I, I can't tell you how many people I've had who would DM me and say, you know, I really wanted to buy your tea, but you found it necessary to tell me you were a Black-owned business and so now I don't want your tea. Mm -hmm. And these are still things we deal with. And those are, are the things I think no one's really talking about. It doesn't seem proper to talk about it, mm -hmm. um, but it is. It's just what it is. Yeah. And I think that idea of consumer self-segregation that you point out is that is that we we is that I, I think for a lot of white white consumers they will see um, uh, a representative a face a model on the front page of a, of a website and assume it's not for them. Yes. Uh, in and, and so no matter what the product somehow no matter what the product there's a self sorting that goes on that that absolutely into any kind of category. Absolutely. So this was the example I used for years. 
if <laughs> and I'm, I'm kind of giggling because it's like it's kind of an embarrassing example but it is if as a black person you walk into a target or a walmart or wherever to buy shampoo and conditioner mm-hmm. if we see a black person or a white person on the bottle we're gonna buy it it's shampoo mm-hmm. we're the only ethnicity that does that though we're the only race that does that because if a white person walk in and they see a black person on it with a fro, it is instantly not for them. Mm-hmm. And so it makes it easier in the marketplace to put a picture on a cover that's palatable for everyone, unfortunately. And these are things, again, I don't think it's to be proud of. It's just an unfortunate is. And, and when you've been in business, it's like, okay. I'm not going to fight against this. Mm-hmm. Not right now. There's a time for everything, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to fight against this right now. Let's get the business. And then when there's enough revenue, then we can start having different conversations. But yeah, it is a self, self-sorting. self And even still, like even in the coaching, like for years up until, like people knew I had black clients, but I would always put, if we did pictures, every, you saw everybody. So you would know, oh, she doesn't just work with black people. She worked with everyone from all over the world, right? That was important. And that was sad, I thought. But even with that, just in 2019, I had a male client who knew me from a mastermind for like two years. And he inboxed me about one of my offerings. And he said, well, I don't know if you work with white people. And I said, well, that's really weird. Why why did you say that? He was like, I don't know. I just kind of assumed you only work with Black people. And I thought, even with all of the pictures and the video and the imagery, we still assume because I'm a Black woman that it's not for you if you're not Black. I thought that was- I think there's that self-sorting, it's not for me. Mm-hmm. kind of response that, that I think consumers yeah. still have. Yeah. Okay, let's, what are the, some of the, I, I think you've mentioned some of them, but what are some of the key strengths in, or that the internet has in overcoming some of those challenges? Yeah, a key strength in that is, especially with the micro content that's out there, people get to see enough of you that even if they instantly sort that you aren't for them, they'll like you and still follow you. Mm-hmm. And then they'll quickly realize, wait, I actually do want this. I actually do need this. Mm-hmm. I think that is a strength in the internet space, um, seeing you show up multiple times. Another strength is the affordability of ads as opposed to traditional mm-hmm. ad media um, to put ads on television or to get a half page or a full page on New York Times or Post or whatever you're using it's not affordable for most small businesses. Whereas with the internet, really, if you had a a $50 a day ad budget, you can actually make some moves in the space. And Mm -hmm. so again, startup capital, I I still don't believe that you should start a business with no money. I know people Mm -hmm. teach you, you can and you can. I just think that you're Mm -hmm. creating more hurdles for yourself. You need a little capital. And I do mean a little, you don't need a lot, but think about it, $50 a day, at least to get you started and to get people knowing about the brand. Um, I really believe it's not 
about the quantity of people. You don't need a million people on your page. We have 300 on Instagram and we're constantly getting sales in. And so it's not about quantity, it's really quality and who's sharing your content, who's talking about you, the conversations that's being had. And, and the internet makes that possible in a way as a traditional brick and mortar, you're typically confound to your small area. Um, someone messaged me yesterday and asked, do we ship to Asia? We absolutely do. Mm-hmm. Long as you pay shipping. Yeah. <laughs> Long as you pay shipping. <laughs> well, Stephanie Sinclair, this has been a delight. Thank you so much for joining us today. Good luck with the new venture. We'll see you probably on the next one. <laughs> yes, thank you so much. And thanks for tuning in to Media Post Brand Insider Podcast. You can keep up to date with breaking marketing and media news at MediaPost.com. That's also where you can subscribe to the Brand Insider newsletter, where highlighted versions of these interviews can go to your email inbox each week. If you have any comments or suggestions for the Brand Insider series, please send them to me, Steve at MediaPost.com.